0: The following programming is sponsored by Tom Tool III. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or Beasley Media Group. Good afternoon, greater Philadelphia area. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool, she's Sarah Time, and she's Stacey Mitchell, and we've got special guest. Pat Kane, the Director of External Operations at Devon Prep. Full disclosure, I did go to school there, and he still decided to come in, so very happy about that. <laughs> Pat, thanks for coming on, man.
1: Tom, thanks for having me. Appreciate very, it.
0: Very cool. And we're going to talk all about Devin and uh, the work you're doing there, which I find to be pretty impressive as an alum in the third segment. But we're going to get into some real estate stuff first, like we always do. And the only news right now I see happening is that all eyes are on the Federal Reserve meeting literally happening right now. So we've talked about this before, but ladies, and, and Pat, feel free to chime in here as well. What do you think comes out of this? And then let's talk about the ramifications.
2: So, I mean, I think that they are going to, to raise it. Um, I think that it is going to be a little bit of a slow raise, but I think it sounds as though there will be um, quite a few of them throughout the year. So I think the ramifications are going to be, as we've been talking about um, for you know the last couple weeks, that uh, as interest rates go up, people's monthly payments are going to be affected, um, and it's going to tighten the the pool of people out there.
3: Yeah, I agree. I think they're definitely going to start raising the rates. They have to. Inflation's at an all time high. Uh, they have to try to rein this in, and the sooner the better. Um, People, there's so much uncertainty right now that people are looking for something certain, even though if it's going to be, you know, a raise of an interest rate. But yeah, the the buyers that I'm currently um, working with, they're not that concerned about the rates at this point because they still feel that they're at historic lows. So they still want to get into housing, um, but it will it will affect buyers. They're going to either um, it's going to affect their monthly payment. Uh, it could price them out of certain you know areas that they were looking or wanted to get into. But the on the flip side, the renting the rental rates are yeah, raising at record um, at re- record rates right now too. So there's a choice. You know, <laughs> am I right. going to stay renting and paying somebody else's mortgage, or you know, if I have still have this great opportunity to buy at these low rates, you know let's just bite the bullet and get into a house and continue you know and get that appreciated value and 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 build some uh, generational wealth. So i think that's where we are now.
2: Right. And i and i also i mean i absolutely agree with all of that. And most of the serious buyers that are out there now um given you know some of the different obstacles that they've had the you know a slight tick up in an interest rate is most likely not going to like all of a sudden have them not be a buyer anymore like it could it could change a little bit of, of what they're looking at but um, if you're out and you're competitive in this market this little increase I don't think is gonna knock somebody out of the race
0: well that, that's a really good point because we're coming out of the most affordable time ever for mortgages literally of all time since they started recording mortgage rates about 50 years ago when rates came into that like high two range, now they're going to be in like, I mean, they're coming in today, what, like three and a quarter or something like that? I mean, I don't, I don't think it's unreasonable to see rates get into the fours by the end of the year, mm-hmm. given what the Fed's going to do. Uh, but let's remember, their projected inflation for January was 2.7%, and it came in way higher, I mean, in, in the 7-plus percent range. So if they don't do something here, and and there's some news coming out of this right now that a lot of the forecasters – uh, have raised their outlooks for a recession and boosted their inflation projection about the the questions of fast-rising prices and greater uncertainty from the Ukraine conflict. There's all these things happening right now that are going to affect monetary policy. And what I know is that there's going to be a hike. I, I don't see any way they get out of this. I agree with you, Sarah. It's going to probably be like a quarter of a point or so. Mm-hmm. And then everyone always wonders, like, does that mean all of a sudden the mortgage rates go up? And we, we talk about this all the time, and it's, it'd be remiss if we didn't do it again, that— just because the Fed raises the rates doesn't mean that the mortgage rates like automatically go up. They don't set those rates. It's based on how the market performs. And given that inflation is such a hot topic right now, especially with gas prices, the Fed, the Fed's going to do this. Um, you know, The growing chance of a recession, maybe in a few years I could see that happening, but we already went through one of those in 2020 when the pandemic hit, where the economy didn't do well, and obviously housing did really well. So from a housing perspective... I don't see anything really, really changing here, because people still need homes. The demand is still pretty, pretty frothy, and inventory is is still low. So I mean, it's just a simple supply and demand curve. I don't think it's that complicated when it comes to housing. Am, am I missing something here?
3: No, yeah. I think you're correct. Yeah, spot on.
0: So let's talk about inventory because I think that's the other kind of like hot point here. And it was, um, and and this this is all tied into what the Fed's going to do. So there was an article that dropped yesterday on Fortune magazine, and, uh. They came out and said, hey, it was believed that the inventory crisis would improve once the worst of the pandemic was in the rearview mirror. Uh, that obviously has not happened. And they gave us some statistics. In April 2021, housing inventory on Zillow bottomed out at 960,000 uh, listings in the country. And, and we really felt it last spring. I mean, just for, I mean, is that, did you feel that it was it was that low inventory in the spring? I mean, you ladies were working right in it, as was I. I mean, talk a little bit about that so we can give people some perspective
3: yeah, it was just extremely difficult. Um, you know, it it was low to begin with, but then when you really you're searching all the time for you know properties for the clients that you're working with, and they are too. And once something comes up, it it's not unusual to have twenty, you know fifteen, twenty offers on a home. and that's what's really driving the prices up because everybody has to go over asking price if mm-hmm. you want the house. Um, so, yeah, uh, we noticed it back then and it did improve a little bit, I have to say, slightly. Um, but I think, and I've been feeling it, and I know you have too, Sarah, out there. Mm-hmm. Um, January and February have been really tough, worse than before. That's what I'm seeing, that the inventory levels just aren't there. Mm-hmm.
0: So, to give some perspective, Stacey is absolutely correct. I'm going to give the data to back it up because there's like real world, like how your day to day is going in the weeds. In September, housing inventory rose to 1.1 million homes of last year. Now, you're absolutely right again, Stacy, that U.S. inventory sank to 729,000 home listings in February. And that's down 25% from February 2021, which I have some perspective on here, and a decrease of 48% since February 2020. That, that quotation and comparison is a little dangerous to me for two reasons. One, February 2020, like th- we were pre-pandemic at that point, people weren't, yeah, sure. I mean, you saw it. I mean, and, and you were, you were onboarding to the team. That's people just were like, you know, we're out. We're not, we're taking the home off the market. We're not doing anything, Yep. whatever. And, and so that, that's a very dangerous comparison. And some of those people haven't come back to the market. They, sure. they just, they've decided they're not moving because of the uncertainty surrounding all this two years later in February, 2021, they're saying that's down 25%. I would argue we didn't see a low in the winter like we normally do last year because it was basically the market just kept moving and people were looking for things to open up. And it, it didn't seem like there wasn't that seasonal flow to the market that we've seen in the past, January and February of last year, where it's been more seasonal this year because people actually like celebrated the holidays. They did the mm-hmm. things they would normally do instead right. of focus on moving. So I, I don't totally agree with that comparison. Um, however, seeing that we're still below the the trough of April of 2021, and we are seeing new listings come on the market now, but I, I don't know what rate that's going to be nationally. D- do, you, do you see this changing in the spring? I think that's the big question everyone asks, because if the people are ready to spend money, rates aren't slowing them down. No matter what the Fed does here, there's going to be no slowdown in the market. I, I can I can bet on that right now. Will we see that number spike back up a little bit? Maybe not through the spring market, because there's not a lot of stale inventory that sits, but once we get to like July 4th, august september that kind of summer slowdown that we normally see what do you what do you what do you two see happening
2: so i mean i think you know there are are certainly a a large number of people that i've spoken to and that i know other members in our team have spoken to that were wanting to kind of go in here list their home during the traditional spring um spring market um despite kind of being advised that it might be a good idea to to get out ahead and uh, to really have your property uh, pop. Um, So I think it will be interesting to see how many actually follow through with that, because I think that's also something where people who are kind of dabbling or, you know, flirting with, am I going to list my home? Am I not going to list my home? Um, Very easy to say, let's do it in the spring market and see how and see how that goes. And then as you know, we're there like as we, as we get into it, um, you know, how many are actually gonna, gonna come out and, and do it. I think will really be the difference between having some more, some more places to take our buyers to and, you know, continuing on how we're going now.
3: Yeah, I think definitely there's always the folks that have to sell and they will, Mm -hmm. um, maybe they're relocating out of state, um, taking on new jobs, things like that. Um, but like Sarah said, the ones that are just dabbling, well, I would re- I, I kind of like to move into this or that or the other, or looking into new construction and, you know, they want to move up. Mm-hmm. Um, it really depends. I mean, I know that new construction is uh, a little lagging also because the um, inventory of, you know, the supply inventory, supply chain uh, issues. Um so it really, yeah, it, it. I don't know that one. I can't. I have no crystal ball on, on if more sellers are going to come to market. The hope is yes. <laughs> I'm going to put out my positive energy that yes, they'll come onto the market, <laughs> and that we'll get a lot of those listings. <laughs> yep.
0: So, so let me give you some local perspective because on this, in this article here, they're co- quoting on Fortune. I mean, they're saying that it's 25% from February 2021. So in Chester County, and I'm going to go through each of the counties here. New listings that hit the market in February were only down 4.9% locally. So that's a much bigger difference. And in uh, so that's, you know, that that's something I think we need to kind of look at here is that our market doesn't typically have these highs and lows like we see in a lot of other places. If you look at some of the other counties, and let me try to navigate these web pages here, it might be a little more difficult said than done. Um, let's check out Delaware County, right? So Delaware County, we're seeing the same thing where their listings in February compared to February of last year they're up 10%. So it's important to know what's happening locally cuz a lot of people wouldn't say hey, you know, actually there's there's more homes available than there were this time last year. So those are two counties. I'll get the other ones for you here in a second. And I think that the point is that agents need to kind of stop saying there's no inventory out there and tell people there's no stale inventory. And th- is that the kind of conversations you're having with with clients right now? How are you prepping buyers for this and how are you prepping sellers for this because even the seller that wants to move, like it's great to be a seller, but you still got to find a place to go to. H- how are you How are you talking to these people and what should consumers actually be thinking instead of watching the news? Because I just showed you an article from Fortune. Sounds like the world's ending. Well, we've got a county where the listings are up 10% from last year. So that's actually a 35% delta from what they're quoting at a national level.
2: Yeah, so I mean, with buyers, um, one way that I'm prepping them is, you know, letting them know that we need to be every day on it seeing what's what's coming out because things are not going to sit Um, we need to be prepared to go out and um, you know see the property right away if it's something that we're going to move forward with to put in a strong offer which i mean to be fair for the last two years it's been an instance (laughs) of if you're putting in an offer like you're not going in lowballing and then expecting like counter negotiations there is going to be multiple offers and you need to go in with your your best um, so just kind of reiterating that to them, um, giving them a sense of urgency for, you know, being proactive and quick when you see something that it, it's probably not going to be here down the line. Um, for sellers, it can be tricky lining up that buy or that sell buy. Um, that's something that we, we hear a lot. <laughs> um, and as we were talking about the spring market earlier and will all of these different people list, um you know if they can find their next place to get into i think there is an an easy answer for a lot of people that have been thinking about selling to to get out there so just kind of strategizing a couple of different ways that we can some language that we can use or you know different scenarios for what we can do to get your home listed and then to eventually get you into your your next
3: spot yes and for prepping buyers that i'm working with there there's definitely no stale inventory. Um the, the stale inventory might be on the market like 10 or 12 days, mm-hmm. right? And it probably needs more work than the you know, the average buyers want to do. So if you're working with clients that are okay with that, they're handy, they can do a lot of the work and they're okay with that type of house, I would definitely take them out to to look at that quote stale inventory (laughs) Um, but yeah there's there's definitely no stale inventory and and that is the real problem that is the real issue Um, things go on the market you know they hit Friday they're you know calling best and final by Sunday night at 8 so I coach my buyers by letting them know anything that you see on the market like if you're looking at, at listings on Sunday and Monday chances are those homes are already entertaining offers and going under contract we're not we can't go out and look at them um because i will get like monday and tuesday it's n- notoriously my buyers will send me you know can we see this can we see that no no they're you know they have offers they already sold already, they already sold so i coach them definitely start looking thursday because that's when most listings hit the market
0: say this again so you think every buyer should be looking on thursdays yeah. and be ready for the like just clear their schedule for the weekend am clear i hearing their this right schedule
3: for the weekend just start Start scanning on Thursdays because that's when the fresh inventory comes on. And then the houses that you want to see, you have to schedule early because the showing schedules book up so quickly unless there's an open house. And then you can get into the open house. But if there's no open house, you might be looking at a booked schedule and you're not going to be able to get in. Um, Sometimes we can do some little maneuvers to try to squeak in somewhere. But for the most part, you have to plan You have to that's a good strategy just plan ahead and like you said Tom you know book off that weekend to go see houses and then you have to put in your best offer like there's no renegotiating and I get that question will the sellers come back and let us know no they're not not happy and we're gonna
0: talk about this next this is a great segue so what I'm hearing you say is they got to treat this like a job
3: oh yeah for sure yeah it's serious it's serious. If you're just dabbling, this probably is not the market for you. Um, and le- you can just drive around the neighborhoods and see where you, you know, where you would. Do I like this neighborhood? Mm-hmm. But once you are focused and you want to really start throwing offers in and purchase a home, this is how this is how we get serious. You know, you have to just <laughs> plan for booking off the weekend for showings. Yeah.
0: So buyers, I, I want ever, and this goes for the seller that has a home to, that, that needs to find a home too. Cause it seems to be the big objection with a lot of people. They want to downsize, they want to get out, they want to move up, they're sick of their house. You got to treat it like a job. So what does that mean? Does that mean being responsive, like not going underground? Like, if, I mean, I think there's a lot of components here. So one is just be available and, and be flexible. Have you seen people lose out on homes because they're not being flexible? I mean, is that is that is that a common thing? Do people learn? I think this is this is uh good to talk about here because it's only gonna get ramped up, especially once the Fed makes once they once they raise the rates, more people are gonna come out of the woodwork. Like I, I am convinced on that. So what other advice do you have for the consumer about how they need to change their mindset around their home search?
2: I'd say the biggest one is that like exactly like you said, this is a job. This isn't something that's going to just come together and that can be done completely on hours that are convenient for you. You need to you need to kind of Amp this up and put this as top priority. And if you have to take, you know, a couple hours off work or you have to shuffle your schedule around or, you know, miss your kids' soccer practice or, you know, make some of these small sacrifices in order to get out there and actually be able to see the home, um, that's kind of what you have to do. It's not going to sit around and wait for when it works for you, it's somebody
3: else will make it work for them. And if you're a little bit more risk adverse it I think through the process you get less Mm -hmm. risk averse Um, when buyers lose out on their first or second offer then they get more serious about putting in that strong offer because each time that you get that gut punch like oh I didn't get the house um, then it you they understand okay yeah yeah, this you know just the five thousand dollars towards the appraisal uh, deficit Covering any appraisal deficit is not going to cover it. I got to go a little harder, a little, you know, a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, Waving inspections is kind of just, it's, <laughs> it's just mandatory at this point. Right. If you want the house. Um, so I think working with buyers and if they lose out a couple of times, they get it. And that's when they really start to hone in on their skills and become less, you know, risk adverse and and they'll really throw it all out there and that's when they get the house right right Mm -hmm. when they decide
1: i would imagine too tom that you talk about it having to be your job you got to do your really have to do your research
0: i agree with that totally yeah
1: like i know that if you're going to enter into that process you should be already but i think sometimes people are like you know what we are this house is too small like let's let's take a look i don't think this (laughs) is the market To do that in like you really need to know Mm -hmm. how high you can go, where you want to be and how it's going to affect your family. If you have a family, if you make that move and really like we're going into this with two feet, let's let's make sure we're ready to go and and make it happen. Because if you're not, the frustration level Mm -hmm. is going to get so high, you're going to have to back off and wait
0: Mm Well, the thing people don't realize, and, and we, we're we going to break here because we had an agent on our team, Susan Austin. She actually got the seller to hold off on multiples, and we're going to walk you through exactly how that went down, which speaks to your point because they, they did go all in. The cost of money is going up here, and we have been talking about this literally since we started the show, and we've been talking about it to all our clients and everyone else, and... The folks that are like the, the final adopters in the market, like think about the seller that finally comes to the seller's market. They're usually the ones that don't do as well as the folks that listen and get ahead of it. Because you you guys are both telling me you got to lose to win right now in 2022. I mean, that's just it, it, there's things out of your control and you can only control what's you know, you might not be able to go to the price that the seller is, is going to sell their home for. You may not be able to make up that appraisal difference, which might have the, not have the money in the bank. It's not, it's not anything of, of one. It's it's can you or can't you. So the longer people wait and if they want to make a move, I would say in the next 6 to 12 months, I'd be out there looking right now because it's going to cost so much more money from a monthly payment standpoint because the Fed's talking about doing this three times this year. So rates are going to go up. On top of that, prices are accelerating, I mean, what, like a percentage point a month now? I mean, it, yeah. you know, plus or minus, so you're losing out on all that equity. If you're renting, you're, you're you're paying someone else's mortgage. So there's so many financial components here that if you want to make a move in the next 12 months, the best thing you can do is get some professional advice. Exactly what you said there, Pat. Like, understand the process. Even if you're 12 months out, have that meeting now or talk about it now so you can at least get – maybe you got to, like, clean up your credit. Or mm-hmm. maybe there's right. some stuff you got to do to the house. Like, these are things that are independent of, can I take advantage of the market And far too many people wait until the last minute and they aren't prepped and they don't get informed. I mean, has that been the biggest roadblock that you've seen? Because people think like they watch all these nonsense shows on TV and they think it's going to be easy.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I think that um, sometimes people don't realize. Yeah. Like that. If you come out today and you say, all right, I'm going to start my home search today and I want to be closed and into my next place in 45 days. It it doesn't always come together like that. I mean you you'd have to find the house today. You would have yeah. to find the house today. And you would have to so often I feel like in these situations, the person has not been pre approved yet, pre qualified uh-huh. yet. They don't know what they can afford. And then they do find out that there's things like low credit and other things that are gonna affect what they can afford. And now all of a sudden they've given themselves this very tight window um that it's an uphill battle. So um, Yeah, I think the sooner that you can get some information and just find out what a game plan looks like and what things you can do to be prepped and ready to go when it's time to get out there,
3: alleviates a lot of stress and a lot of frustration and a lot of disappointment. Mm -hmm. And motivation. What is what is their motivation? As agents, we need to find that out. Yeah, Um, because that's really that's what it's all about. Why are they why do they want to move? What is their motivation? Mm hmm.
0: So on that note, buckle up for a rate increase coming out of the Fed meetings here. I'm going to call it right now. Uh, We'll talk more about how to win in the market here in a second. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool of the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. If you're thinking of becoming a real estate agent in the greater Philly area, I have a special offer for you. Our team did $165 million of volume in 2021, making us the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania and a top 1% team nationally. Our agents love us because we offer them a successful career, a great life, and an unbeatable culture. Agents who've been with us for at least a year average 30-plus sales. Even our brand-new agents average 17 to 24 sales a year. We offer proven systems and expert training. We help you set more appointments and sell more houses. Now here's the offer. If you don't have a real estate license yet, we offer real estate scholarships so you can get one for free. Check it out at realestatescholarshipprogram.com or visit the Tom Tool sales group at Remax Mainline at tomtool.com. That's Tom, e.com. Get more out of your real estate career and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. The real estate market is red hot. Have you considered taking advantage? Call the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX at 610 692 6976 or visit our website, tomtool.com, to connect and take advantage of these market conditions.
1: Buying a home or already own one,
0: we can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your
1: policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610 816 0043, extension three, or
0: visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. Right. I know. We are back on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacy Mitchell. She's Sarah Timon. And we've got Pat Kane, the Director of External Operations from Devon Prep, sitting in. And again, Sarah, Stacey, and I, we all work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team since 2018 in Pennsylvania. And we're streaming live on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. Gabe's got it all there. Just Google Tom Tool Sales Group. You can check us out every week. So, we are going. We just talked about the Fed. All eyes are on the Fed. We'll wait around a couple days. We'll get the news that we all know is coming. So, spoiler alert there. We wanted to talk about an interesting case study next, and then we're going to get into all things Dev and Prep with Pat here. There's an uh, amazing agent on our team, Susan Austin, and uh, she had brought this to one of our team masterminds that we do every week so we can all get better and improve. And this, to me, this is like the Jedi move, of 2022, what she was able to do here. You guys were in the meeting, so I'll, I'll give everyone kind of some perspective on this. So we just talked about how competitive the market is. Homes are selling at 101, 102% of the asking price in suburban uh, Philadelphia, Chester, Montgomery, Delaware counties, about 97% in Philadelphia. This was a suburban property. Hits the market. And we, we did a whole episode of one of our video shows on this And she was able to get the listing agent and the seller to take her offer before the threatened offers came in with a single-digit days on market. How often do you two see this happening right now? Not
3: not too often. Not too often.
0: So this is not the norm. So she went through a whole strategy. So I'm going to explain this in kind of some bullet points here, and then I want to get everyone's reaction about if that's how they coach people, if they, and we know it's not an often thing that happens. I can tell you if that was our listing, we would have certainly pushed for the multiple offers to get the seller the best result. Doesn't mean that's always what the seller wants. It's ultimately the seller's decision. Um, so no offers are in. There was a, a handful that were threatened, I think two to three. And she followed the listing agent's instructions to a T. So very important here. She did exactly what they wanted her to do when it came to presenting the offer. And she told her client... Hey, just because there's no offers, we need to have a multiple offer mindset right now. This does not happen in the current market, which I found to be very interesting. Um, they went in above the asking price. All the stops were pulled out, appraisal gaps, inspections waived, everything that we've, we've talked about on the show here. And she got it in quickly the day before. And I think she had like a four o'clock showing, got the offer submitted in a couple hours, leveraged our systems to do that because we have the ability to turn these things around quickly. And got a signature that night. So, congratulations to her for executing and being coachable. I mean, we've we've already talked about this a lot. Do you see that? Like, talk to me about your experience with this, and maybe where you've tried this. It hasn't worked, and if it, or if you have tried it, maybe the listing agent wasn't playing ball. I just find this so fascinating in today's market that we just talked about how inventory's lower than it was before, and in Chester County, it was a little lower. That's where the property was. So I think it's down like five percent. I'm I'm floored she was able to do this and a lot of it had to do with acting fast and coaching her client what do do you guys think about this
2: that's great that the (laughs) the listing agent cooperated with this one and that the sellers took it and and took it right away I mean I I just had a scenario um, this Friday where a property hit the market um, that morning and we my client and I wrote an offer that day without even seeing it she saw the pictures she loved it we went in over ask we followed all of the you know the bits i had the lender reach out now we were not a conventional loan so i knew that that was you know going to be a little bit of a hurdle but you know reached out to the agent right away explained the situation had the lender call got it in right away we were not only i mean we were at that point the first and only offer but went in with that above ask multiple offer mentality Um, But the agent had told me they're not reviewing offers until after the end of the weekend, that they have an open house scheduled. And, um, you know, really, there's I mean, I'm sure if we had gone insanely over like past where we would ever you know, want to pay for it, that maybe that would have that would have done it. But it was, I mean, a very competitive offer that we put in. And ultimately, they were not going to be reviewing anything. And then somebody slipped in a. A cash deal. <laughs> well, one that it had conventional financing oh, and was gotcha. like a little above ours. So that was that was a gut check. And it was it was kind of interesting because I saw this um case study that had been put out for, for Susan and I was there in the meeting last week and you know, it was like, What can we do to have you take this off the table right now? Blah blah blah, you know, and it just in that scenario, um didn't uh, didn't work out so
1: <laughs> I, I,
0: <laughs> I, I, I do agree with kind of what you're saying here I mean it, it sounds like she had the right person to get that to happen mm-hmm. I also think she was a little lucky to be super clear like I don't yeah. want buyers to think this is the norm but yeah. keep going now that, that's just that's a couple observations I had there
3: well I had a uh, case study this weekend that I was lucky <sighs> and okay the snow Tell us more. the snow had something to do with it oh. thank you mother nature um, <laughs> well same thing same thing the house just went on the market on Friday I was already scheduled to take this couple out they already missed out on on their dream home the first time around two weekends before so we had already scheduled for Friday afternoon to see a a home in media and this house popped up and they said can we squeak this one into oh yes of course we can squeak this one into yes right away so I was able to get right on schedule that one also and we did back-to-back showings they loved that it was the first house they absolutely fell in love with it at this time, it was probably like three in the afternoon. Um, they were very coachable. They're like, "Okay, we're going to completely waive the appraisal gap." They went in well over asking and waived all the inspections. Mm-hmm. And they're super well qualified. So um, I said, "Okay, let's write it up." And I did some of it on my phone because I was still out doing other showings, and I, you know, but we got that thing in by six p.m. I couldn't get a hold of the listing agent. He ignored all my calls and texts. Um, awesome. I, I know. It was just lovely. And he didn't... He you know what,
0: though? I, I actually, in, in his defense, I, I, I think it is... It is. You do get inundated with, with calls and stuff. And that's why it's even more important to follow the instructions. Because, yes. so, uh, keep going. But I, I think there right. is... There's two sides of that. Yeah. And you don't know how many people are calling him, or you don't know... I mean, he could have been in appointments, too.
3: Right. Exactly. And, I, yeah, so you don't really know what's going on. So I do respect that... Um, but I do like when the listing agents say that they received the offer because I don't want it sitting mm-hmm. in somebody's spam box. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he never did. But Saturday morning, eight thirty, I get an email. Oh, received your offer. I'm gonna we're gonna review I'm gonna review it with the seller. Nine oh five, I'm getting ready to walk out the door to go to some showings. <laughs> and he says, Oh, how, you know, Stacy, thank you for the offer and blah, blah, blah. And I said, Oh, I'm hoping that the snow is gonna <laughs> help us today so I'm glad you got the offer and he says well I just wanted to let you know the sellers gonna accept it oh I about fell over oh my gosh! because I was like you've got to be kidding me and he says yeah well if you are somewhat of like an investigative agent right mm-hmm. we knew that there was somebody elderly living in the home we figured you know the showings are tough on on sellers. We know that. showings are very, very difficult. you have to it, it is horrible. Your home. It is it's horrible. horrible for sellers, especially if somebody is up at their in age. And we knew that the snow was coming or you know we were hoping some snow would come <laughs> anyway. And that's exactly the point. The seller's like, you know what? This is a generous, very generous offer. I'm gonna accept this offer. And the listing agent even said, are you sure? I want you to understand?" We're gonna cancel the rest of the showings if you accept this offer and he said yes I'm not going out in the snow yeah so my buyers were thrilled to death but again you have to act quickly I mean Mm. we could have waited the rest of the weekend to get the offer in if you're you know just kind of lazy and don't want to act so fast but in this market you can't right speed is everything
2: absolutely just out of curiosity what did you put for the respond by date for the
3: offer we put three o'clock on Saturday. Okay. So we did give them time, mm-hmm. you know, but I, even though I do that sometimes, you know, well, most of the time we try to force a response, you know, the listing agents override it and say, well, the seller or the sellers override it and say, no, we're going to wait till the end of the weekend. You know, mm-hmm. can you adjust that date? Yeah. Um, so you don't always have, you know, it's nice to be able to, to put that response time deadline, but they don't always abide, but like the, right. like what happened to you, Sarah? Right. Yeah.
0: I t- there's two lessons here. One is you got to move fast. I think the hustler always gets the worm, right? Like it's not the early bird. It's the people that wake up before the early bird and beat that person out. Mm-hmm. The second lesson though, this is for sellers. You've got to hire a competent listing agent. I would imagine your seller for this home, like congratulations, I'm glad you got it. They probably left some money on the table, right? I mean, in Susan said, they, they might've left some money on the table. It's real easy to do those sort of things. So I think that's where it gets dangerous. We're just hiring the first person you talk to Without a plan or like, here's exactly how we're going to launch this listing, and here's the day-by-day, day, and here's our time frame, and here's when we're going to review offers. Mm-hmm. To me, that's not communicated enough, and that's an opportunity for a lot of folks to get in and get listings if they come in with a plan like that because you, you can't have the same plan anymore.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, do, would I you agree. guys agree, disagree with that? I mean, I'm, I agree. I'm glad I you're mean, getting these offers. Like, don't get me wrong. Right. Like, that's awesome.
3: It really depends on the sellers, and, and it depends on their, you know, their capability of, of vacating their home. And and mm-hmm. that's why we took full advantage of the situation, too. And then, like I said, the snow really helped. But yes, probably. I mean, there could have been it was a fantabulous house in media. It, there could have been 15 offers on the home. Had they gone through, they had a whole day Saturday booked and Sunday booked of showings mm-hmm. that they were canceling. Yeah. Um. So it could have been very, very competitive. They could have left money on the table. But again, if the seller felt that it was a generous offer, and you know sellers it was call, enough. Yeah. It was enough for him, um, but yeah, I would probably coach my sellers. <laughs> Let it <her> ride. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and then, you know what? That's representing your client because what's mm-hmm. good for the buyer isn't going to be good for the seller right. in all the cases here. So, uh, I mean, you know, I you see, I think Susan did get lucky. I mean, and, and but she. She created her own luck by acting appropriately. I don't want I don't wanna say that it was it was something like no, that, but she
3: she knew what to do. You gotta do, read yeah. the
0: situation. Yep. You gotta communicate and see what's going on. You had like yeah. you you did some detective work, right? You yeah, kinda you saw be... what was going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen it go both ways. I mean it mm-hmm. there's sometimes it's like, yeah, there's no shower responding to this. Good luck. We'll talk to you on
1: Monday.
3: Right. Um, now do
1: you legitimately pay attention to the weather report?
3: Um I you know you what, there was ever, so like... much hype about this <laughs> snowstorm coming in. So I was like, Does that
1: happen a lot where the weather like
3: well, I know that impacts some people, this sometimes. Won't, um, you know, if the roads are bad, it will affect showing schedules. Yeah, to some extent. There's also
0: a ton of lazy real estate agents out there. They're yeah. gonna say, "Oh, I'm, I'm t-. I mean, it, the roads were not bad on Saturday. Like, mm-hmm. I was taking kids' to activities and doing yeah. all sorts of stuff." However, there are people that they see snow. I mean, you know how it is they around see a here.
3: and they're like, oh, "So,
0: my
1: God. It, it, well, you, you gotta, know, t- you gotta be ready, right? You gotta be, you gotta." I mean, be I've
0: showed. I've like driven home and almost like got myself killed in blizzards going, <laughs> going like, home from like <laughs> listing appointments and showings before. Right. So. You know, it's just that this business is so opportunistic that if you're not thinking someone else is going to out hustle you, you're probably wrong.
3: Because
0: mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot of hardworking people in real estate, so I think you got to assume I got to work harder, and then I got to work smarter, and that's how you really win. And that's exactly what you did, what Susan did. Because it's, yeah, you, know, you could have done that, and you could have not gotten the home, but because right. you were working smart and looking at the uh the the clues there. And you're doing the same thing. It's just it, they, they just you had a yeah. smart person on the other side. I mean, but you were yeah, working right. smart and that's going to increase your likelihood of getting contracts accepted. Your buyers getting what they want. It's its just it's just thinking things through. I don't think it's anything mm-hmm. anything uh, that 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 high level here. We're not talking about like rocket science or something.
3: Right. You just have to you have to jump on every everything. and And speed is definitely the key to everything. Speed to the showing. Speed to the decision of your buyers, you know, putting in the offer in, speed to getting that offer written and mm-hmm. to over to the listing agent. It's all about that. That's it.
2: Absolutely. And I think that when you're on the other side of the offer, it also um, like for the the listing agent receiving that offer, especially if you had like touched base and said, you know, we loved loved it, we're putting in an offer today. And then you get the offer in that day. I feel like it, even if you're moving quickly, but if you set the bar with, hey, we love it. We're getting our offer together and then even if it's like a day later, it's you know doing what you say that you're going to do on all <laughs> sides of the transaction. Yep. Whether it's, you know, following up with your clients or just doing what you you say you're going to do for your clients. Um, I think that shows that you follow through and that is definitely something you look for for the other side of the transaction. When you have your, when you have your sellers, you want to make sure the buyers, yeah, that all looks great, but we want to make sure it actually happens and and gets to settlement. So follow through.
0: Well, I mean, that's, that's a definition of integrity. And I love that you said that on a lot of levels, but also like they don't want some pain in the butt agent to work with them. That's like flaky, not getting back to people. I mean, this happens, it just makes everything more difficult. Yeah. And, it's not just about getting the, you know, in this market, the sellers can kind of pick and say, okay, I'm going to I where want the easiest path to the closing, right? You don't want the person that's not calling you back. You don't know what's going on like, oh, hey, I, I forgot this deadline was today. I mean, th- this happens way more than consumers think, and that's why it's so important to interview and get a competent agent who's going to have a plan for you to get a house or a plan to get your home sold because most people don't have any plan. They just show up and they hope they fall into some business. And that's the problem with the real estate industry. Mm-hmm.
3: A lot of bad agents.
1: How many, uh, how many listings on average do you, are you guys managing at once?
0: As, as an organization?
1: No, uh, like if I'm, a, if I'm a buyer, right? Like I want somebody that's going to jump. But if you're managing too many, like what are the chances, you know, you're going to be able to take care of me? So like, do you kind of limit how many you're, you're working with at a time? Um, or? No, it's a number of buyers. Okay, oh, buyers. I, I understand. Yeah. Okay, yeah. go yeah. ahead.
2: I mean, we typically kind of categorize into into different sections and um yeah you probably don't want to have too many hot buyers at once where you can't drop you know because yeah you you're one person you can't be everywhere at mm-hmm. once but um i don't know stace how many would you say you have at once that are you know drop everything and let's go
3: yeah it it, it really it fluctuates yeah because then you get one of those under contract and there's always Maybe somebody slides back somebody, in. Yeah. yeah so it's it's i mean it could be anywhere from. I don't know, four to eight. And it's not they're all looking for different things. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not taking this you know, that they're same criteria and you're all going, No, it's all different areas, different price mm-hmm. ranges, they have um, different needs. So it, it for some reason it does work. <laughs> I mean, right, it really does. Right. It's a balancing act. Sometimes you feel like, yeah. Oh my gosh, I can't take one more showing. But for the most part, yeah, it, it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Now, on the listing side, it's a lot different because the time commitment's not there where you're having to go out and spend three hours on a Friday looking for looking at properties with somebody. So at peak for me, when I was in production, I I was managing anywhere from 40 to 50 listings at one time. So, um, and but it, it's, it's a lot. I mean, you have to have a plan. You got to be organized. Like I had calls scheduled with all the sellers so I know they'd know when they'd be hearing from me. And that way it creates some certainty. And buyers, they do take up a little more time. And to your point, it depends what they're looking for. If they're looking for a certain kind of home in, like, this elementary school district or they want to be on this side of the road or this neighborhood, that's a little easier to manage in a lot of ways, even though it's specific because, you know, they, they have a very finite field. It's the folks that, you know, I want to live in. I'll live in any of these three school districts, and I'd buy a townhome or a single, and I don't really know what I want. You're educating them about the market when you're showing them properties, and that that, that can take a little longer. So uh, I think it, you got you got to kind of know your own capacity, too. I mean, not everyone's going to be the same. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Sure, because yeah, there certainly is like, I think that when you when you're in the flow and you have like just the right number that you're working with and you're busy and, you know, something else pops up, but you can still man, you know, it can still flow with it. That's when you're that's when you're great. Once you get mm-hmm. like one or two too many in there <laughs> and it starts being like, oh, my gosh, you know, then you have to kind of reevaluate and and make sure that the people that you are dropping everything for and taking out are people that are qualified and ready to go and yep. not just you know
3: Tired wanting pickers. to look
2: yeah yep. yeah so you do have to make sure that you are picking people that you know potentially would want to put in an offer and aren't just like
3: out to look at homes right absolutely and don't forget you have to manage the the, the deals that you already have under contract Right. you still mm-hmm. are managing those folks those clients too so it, it, it's a delicate balancing act um but yeah you, you there's hacks
0: that so you do. <laughs> That's all the stuff we coach on. So if yep, you're thinking about exactly. getting into real estate, check out our scholarship program. It's realestatescholarshipprogram.com. So we're going we're to cut it there. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about all things Devon Prep with Pat Kane, the director of external operations. You can check out the school. It's devonprep.com. This is Tooltime Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976, or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline.
1: When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com.
0: The Tom Tool Sales Group is the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania with over $165 million in volume for 2021. I'm Tom Tool, and our team has achieved that kind of success by being a great place to work with and to work for. No one knows greater Philly better than we do. We know real estate, but more importantly, we're real people. We hire the best agents and we give them all the tools to succeed. Even our brand new agents sell 17 to 24 homes a year because our team delivers the best experience in real estate. Teams deliver a better experience than individuals, and we're a top 1% real estate team in the country. We call it AAA service. We're your advocate, ally, and advisor because this isn't a transaction to us. It's a relationship. If you're buying or selling a home, call the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Line at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. That's TomTool with an E dot com. Sell your home for more and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. I'm Tom Tool of the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. If you're thinking of becoming a real estate agent in the greater Philly area, I have a special offer for you. Our team did $165 million of volume in 2021, making us the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania and a top 1% team nationally. Our agents love us because we offer them a successful career, a great life, and an unbeatable culture. Agents who've been with us for at least a year average 30-plus sales. Even our brand-new agents average 17 to 24 sales a year. We offer proven systems and expert training. We help you set more appointments and sell more houses. Now here's the offer. If you don't have a real estate license yet, we offer real estate scholarships so you can get one for free. Check it out at realestatescholarshipprogram.com or visit the Tom Tool sales group at Remax Mainline at tomtool.com. That's Tom e.com. Get more out of your real estate career and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. We are back on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB eight sixty AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Time, and she's Stacy Mitchell. And we are going to talk about all things Devon Prep here with Pat Kane, director of external operations for the school. And again, we all work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania since twenty eighteen. And we're streaming live on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Pat. Tell us about Devin. You can check out the schools, devinprep.com. I'm going to let you take it here.
1: Yeah. Uh, Tom, thanks for having me on. Of course. Really appreciate it. Um, Devon Prep, all boys, Catholic school in Chester County. Uh, been around since 1956. And um, we do a great job, Tom. We do a great <laughs> job job educating boys. Despite it's,
0: despite letting me graduate from there, yeah, you've done we, a great job. Yeah,
1: threw fall through the cracks from time to time yes. or figure out a way to... To, to get all the way to the end, but um, it is a spe- special place. Uh, my son is there now, he's a freshman, he's gone through three years of middle school, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, and uh, the growth that I've seen in him in in that time period is just amazing, and yeah, of course I'm working there, so I have to promote it that way, but <laughs> um, no, it, 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 it's, it's a special place The people there, the teachers really, really care about each kid individually, and our enrollment size allows us to do that, where for 6th for grade through 12th grade, about 315 kids total in the entire school, we average out to be about 12 kids in a class Oh wow! at any point in time. So you think about your, your son's learning calculus, right, and there's 9 to 12 kids next to him. Think about the engagement level that he's going to have with that teacher in the classroom, how he's going to be able to ask the questions he wants to ask, have peers looking out for him and working with him. Um, We created an environment that really just generates the ability for each kid to navigate it, right, be comfortable in navigating it, ask the questions they need to ask, and feel like they're a part of it. And I think it's what separates us from a lot of the other schools in the area. We've also been in person all this
0: time, Tom. You know? I mean that 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 to me is tremendous. I mean, I think that's such a having had kids go through wow. virtual school. Yeah, and my kids are pretty young. I mean, and and not having you know I've heard all the horror stories. I mean, we've heard extreme things happen, but I mean you know to be able to teach kids in person, especially when they're in like high school and middle school. I mean, yeah. those are really formative years. They're going to college. I mean, that to me is is a huge deal. And that's pretty impressive because and, and you guys made. It, but talk about how like you did that because I think you really like you invested in the school and the infrastructure. And everyone was safe. I don't think you really had a, a, any issues that I, I can recall of.
1: Nothing Nothing out of the ordinary yeah, from, a, exactly, from, a, yeah. from a COVID standpoint. We, we did what everybody had to do the first, you know, kind of hit those three months. Um, you know, everybody went into lockdown. But our thought process was we need to get back to normal in-person education as fast as possible and as safely as possible. So we immediately shifted to an online model for those last three months of full days of class. There was no, um, you go to online for, you know, half of your day. We knew that mom and dad needed to have normalcy as well. So it was eight periods a day, 45 minutes, 42 minutes per class. Um, And then we backed off as we felt that the screen time was too much. And during that process, we, we, how are we going to get to next year open in person, in full, on time? And, um, you know, we, we got some funding that helped from, you know, through through everything with COVID. But we, we've we rented three tents to put up on campus. One was for lunch. One was a general hangout space. And the other one we called Thunderdome, which <laughs> is where we had the <laughs> basketball nets and everything set up. Everything was heated. Uh, so we got creative in... Being able to utilize the rest of campus, space our boys out, and and do what we need to do in the classroom, but also give them the social component, which I think was in some ways bigger through all of this than just learning about you know math or learning about science. These guys at, at going through the middle school and the high school years, boys are way behind girls from a social standpoint, <laughs> and they need that interaction and they didn't have it for whatever period of time right and it was important that we figured out a way to get that to them and um, you know it it worked it worked there were there were some calculated risks there were some jumps there were some leaps but you know we we took inventory of what our parents were looking for we listened to what our boys had concerns about mm-hmm. and we just went through a step-by-step process to make sure that they had normalcy and you know it paid off. It did. Our, our enrollment went up over the last two years. We're at our max in the, in the history of the school. Um, but I think, you know, some people looked at it as, hey, Devin's in school. Let's let's make the change. And then they've realized real fast, hey, something special is happening here. We're not just going to make this one year. We're going we're to stay. So, um, you know, the, the things we did, the investments we made worked out and it gave people the opportunity to see what our school is about, and um, and through that, we've grown our athletic programs. Talk, talk
0: about the sports program. I mean, they're, uh,
1: this this to me is like
0: insane from when, I mean, I went to Devon at a very different time where yeah. it was, uh, I mean, you, you've done a great job just improving the infrastructure of the school, making it a place where people really wanted to send their kids and compete with some of the other larger yep. schools like this in the area. But now I mean I'm I'm seeing them in the state playoffs. They won the state championship. Kids are getting drafted in major league base. But this this yep. is unheard of in, in my view. <laughs> Blew my mind. I mean, I was I couldn't believe it when I heard about it. Yeah.
1: It's been um it's been interesting. It's right, it all starts with your mission, right, and understanding that you can't stray from that. Once you start to stray from that, then you you lose your identity. And so it was really important that we continue to focus on the holistic education of the kids and saying, if we're, if we're known as a very strong academic institution, well, why can't we be very strong in all the other facets Mm -hmm. for these guys? And we looked at the athletics program and just felt like, yeah, we have a lot of people that are interested in it and want to participate, but do they really want to be challenged? And it came from us saying we need to challenge them more and give them more. So we uh, started to expand the programs. We added, you know, um, Wrestling, we we added uh, the ability for our kids to play ice hockey. Um, we joined the Philadelphia Catholic League, which is known as a competitive, mind blowing to me that this <laughs> happened I, I'm, in, in the, the best ways
0: possible. But I mean, that's like the premier basketball league in, in besides the city besides the city league. It's those two. yeah.
1: People thought we were crazy, but it, alums and and you know just people that ha- had their kids there felt like how are you going to become competitive in a league like that. What's the process to do that? And it, it, nothing really changed other than we wanted to make sure – you talk about motivated buyers, right? Mm -hmm. We wanted to make sure that the families that were looking at the school were looking for the right reasons and understood your kid can be a really good athlete or he can get the coaching he needs to be a really good athlete here at our school and excel there and excel in the classroom the same way because our size lends kids to be able to do that. Where at some other places – if you're the athlete, you're just the athlete. And you don't get the time of day from an academic component or vice versa. If you're really smart and motivated here and maybe you want to do something like mock trial, you don't get the opportunity to spend the time to participate in sports. And we found a good balance. And it's, I think it's, it's gotten harder for the average athlete to compete. But by adding more sports like crew um, and, and bolstering our tennis program, Kids really were like, you know what, I still have something else that I can go be great in. And then players that were interested in competing in basketball in the Catholic League level now looked at it as, well, wow, the academic piece matches, the athletic piece matches. Now I've got kind of everything I'm looking for, and I feel like I could be set up for success down the road. And that was really the roadmap, and finding the families that believed in both pieces and believed that your son's going to be challenged appropriately to be successful. You know, we talk about the process, right? Sometimes as parents, we always want our kids to do great, right? And we hope they get the A on the test or work really hard to get a B plus. Well, sometimes they work really hard and they get a C, but if they worked really hard, that's okay, right? You're not always going to have the success that you want, but if you learn how how to be diligent and schedule yourself, and remain on task, you're building skills that are gonna help you down the road. And it's the same whether it's sports, academics, or activities. You wanna build that structure and go through a process to be successful. And eventually, once you find your passion, you will be successful. So that's a really important component about what what we're doing across the board. And, you know, Tom talked about state championships. We won one in baseball in 2019. Golf won one earlier this year. Nice. We had uh, a doubles tennis team winning uh, at the end of last year. Our basketball team is in the Elite Eight for 3A tomorrow night. Exciting. Six o'clock at Cardinal O'Hara. Awesome. If you can make it, get there. It's going to sell out. But um, they, it's it's been really neat to see our teams and, and the kids really take ownership of what they're doing and, and push it forward. So
0: it's exciting. So we got one minute, Pat you've done a great job filling up the time here so it's devinprep.com um, if you want to get in touch with the school what else should people know 30 seconds what should they know about the school and we'll have you back on so we can do a little more in-depth interview just because you're such a great talker Pat. 30,
1: 30 seconds we, we we can any type of kid that you have can excel at Devon it's not a perfect fit for anybody but it can be a great fit for for anybody you just have to trust who we are, trust the process. Right, Tom? Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens this year. All right, Pat, That's right. thanks for coming on. So it's
0: devinprep.com. You. you want to get in touch with Pat. I'm Tom. She's Sarah. She's Stacy. You want to follow Stacy on Instagram. It's at the number two, Mitchco. Sarah is at Ty underscore Ty time. And you can follow me at Tom Tool the third or at Tom tool 3rd. Uh, again, we all work with the Tom Tool sales group. You can find us on, uh, what is it, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, That's it for this week's episode of Tool Time. This is WWDB 860 AM.